Welcome to Baker Hill's podcast, Lending Made Easy, the show where we demystify the world of commercial lending and bring you up to speed on everything you need to know to make lending easy. I'm your host, Mitch, and I'm here to help you navigate the complex world of lending and finance. Whether you're a seasoned banking professional or new to the industry, this podcast will provide you with valuable insights and information that will help you succeed. So join us as we explore the exciting world of banking. Grab your coffee, close your spreadsheets, and let's dive into today's episode of Lending Made Easy. Well, welcome back to Baker Hill's podcast, Lending Made Easy. Today, we've got Brian Peckinpah and David Catalano and We've got a really fun topic to talk about. We're going to be discussing what happened to MapQuest. So this all came about, I was thinking about you know, my first job out of college. I traveled cross country four times by car. So I used MapQuest to navigate, to plan my route, to get from Indianapolis to, to Los Angeles, to Seattle, to Cleveland, and back to Indianapolis. But inevitably, I got lost along the way. And uh, several times I had to... to Phone a friend. I had to call call my mom on my flip phone that I had at the time. Uh, you know, pause my my burned CDs that I had in the car to to listen to my music. Pull out the flip phone, call my mom, and have her actually map quest directions and walk me over the phone step by step uh, how to make it back onto to the right path. And so, really, it's about those technologies that were commonplace day to day use in our lives that now are a little bit more obsolete. So, thinking about MapQuest and those printed directions, even something as simple as CDs that have been replaced by Spotify and Apple Music and even the flip phone, right? Now now you, you look around and most people have a smartphone, a, a computer that they're carrying around in their pocket as well. So Brian, David, just wanted to, to throw that out to you. What, what were some of your favorite technologies that you use on a daily basis that now are maybe sitting in the closet under a pile of boxes of baseball cards and, and some like old leather jackets. I got a box of baseball cards right there. Funny you say that, you, you know, not only like the favorite technology, Mitch, but I, I mean, remember when some of these things were like status symbols, you, you're talking about MapQuest, but remember those early days of GPS, like people were clamoring over a, a TomTom or a Garmin or, and now nobody would be caught dead with one of those in their car. You know, unless it's the one that's embedded in my dash, right? That came with the car <laughs> when I bought it. But, you know, it's, it's crazy the rate of, you know, technology explosion um, in the last, call it 25 years, as we've gone through just cycles of, of iteration and improvement on these things, right? I mean, using your example of MapQuest, in roughly 25 years, we went from driving around with, atlases in your car or maps in your car. I still have one of the city of Cleveland. I'm not sure it's in my office anymore, but I've got it somewhere uh, that you had to pre-plan your routes. And then it switched to going to a map quest or something similar and plugging in your starting point and ending point and printing those directions to take in the car that flipped to the standalone GPS that flipped to having those on our cell phones and and now you know more or less every car having it embedded in in what you get and that's a rapid evolution in 25 years of you know a lot of these really smart tech folks and really smart tech companies looking at these manual processes and saying is that the way it needs to be and 
somebody improves and the next person improves. And next thing you know, we're walking around with what used to be military grade only GPS is in our pockets. And, you know, it is, it is pretty crazy. And it's just one example, but I, I always come back to those GPSs because I remember a company I worked for gave those away as the, uh, the year end Christmas gift to all the employees was a Tom, Tom GPS <laughs> to put in your car. Yeah. You had to update, didn't you have to update those or buy a, buy a data package or something to get, Exactly right, uh, David. You did. Yeah, yeah. Come back every year. (laughs) Exactly, and the automobiles would have those as well. I mean, automobile GPS is just terrible, right? So now that you can link your Apple phone through there, it makes it a whole lot better. But that that was bad. But my favorite technology from back in the day was a AAA triptych. Hardly technology, a lot of paper involved, and some highlighted highlighting highlighting of my route and routing me around construction that only AAA those wizards would know where the construction was located. Now, now I've got GPS in my phone that tells me where the next radar trap is. Mm, yes, that's, that's, that, that's ahead of me. It's ahead true, of me. True real time, right? Yeah, it's true real time, right? It's fed by the by the user. So a lot of changes. Remember encyclopedias? They used to be um, awesome, right? Awesome, the source of the truth. You, know, you get twenty six books, and they'd sit on your shelf, and you you know you shouldn't plagiarize from those because you know you get caught from your from your social studies teacher, but. You know, then Microsoft put this on a disc and all the printing went away. And then now it just Google whatever you want to find. And there it is. So, you know, leapfrogging technology is incredible. When we, when we tie that back to banking, you know, there are instances where, where that's been, well, banking technology has been leapfrogged. But if you think about the regulatory environment with which we operate, it's really hard to do some of the things we want to do. You know, just instantly opening up a business checking account <laughs> right. online if you don't have a relationship with a bank is really challenging. Yeah, you're, you're not only are we a regulated industry, but we rely on other regulated industries for some of that information, right? So, you know, piggybacking on what you're talking about, David, and, and doing account opening, the banking industry is reliant on the government to expose, you know, the Secretary of State information in a easily consumable way, right? You you can integrate to some of the states and some are better than others. And But even then, something as simple as the comma being in the wrong place in the legal name can break that quote unquote integration. And all of a sudden, it doesn't exactly match. And now my, my automated processes fail. And that's just one example where there's many, many across uh, what's required to, to do something like uh, account opening for a quote unquote anonymous person to your financial institution, because I have to understand who you are. Are you who you say you are? If it's a business, are you authorized to conduct business on behalf of the business? <laughs> Is that actually the person on the other side? You know, there's just so many factors that have to come together. And, and you know the kind of closed banking ecosystem of the United States combined with, as you said, the regulatory environment of financial services combined with the other entities we need to tie into to truly automate it makes it really challenging. We have seen some some great innovation in our space. I don't think we've seen it maybe leapfrog quite to the extent that we see in our personal and maybe other business lives. But I'd I'd certainly love to see more of it, right? More of that that open thinking and more of a a drive towards that leapfrogging technology because it's it's certainly how we're going to continue to improve as, uh, as an industry. Yeah, and, and understanding the material owners of, of a business, some some people don't want their ownership publicly known, mm-hmm. and you know that's okay. It's a their prerogative. So it's going to be challenging to get to where I think the consumer technology space is, and where consumers feel like their bank should be. 
I, I think there's going to be a disconnect there probably indefinitely unless something material changes. I just don't see that that catch up occurring anytime soon. I think there's a lot of trying on that front, but I, I don't see it actually occurring. And, and also, if you think about the community banking and the idea of having a relationship with your borrower and driving by their business, I don't see that going away anytime soon. I think there's a lot of advantages to that in the community bank space. And I just don't think it's a good for our country to have community banking disappear uh, and become anonymized. I don't think that makes a ton of sense. I think it's better for the for the end user. Um, it's better for the for the risk profile of the bank to understand who who is my who is my borrower, what are they using it for, and and did my money go into the collateral that that I'm lending against, and I can drive by that if I want, or go see that person if I want, or go go talk to that person if I want. And I don't I don't see technology changing that, but we'll you know we'll find out in time. It just it won't be in our it won't be during our careers. I just don't see that occurring. Yeah, you know that's interesting. I God, I hope it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, because I think the the pressure is going to continue to mount, right, David? I mean, I know we talked about it on prior podcasts that you know, one of the material shifts that that has happened in the last twenty five years is our personal technology adoption outpacing the business adoption. I know we talked, you know, before. Most people, if you talk to somebody in 2000 or maybe a little bit before their their first cell phone was given to them by their work you know and there was a very select few people that had a cell phone as opposed to my consumer behavior driving my business behavior e- easy example of that is the iPad if you ask the same people in 2010ish or maybe a little bit earlier where they got their first iPad it was absolutely the personal purchase and then they followed in the work environment because people wanted tablets because of the ease of use of them and some of the things they could do. But, you know, as we continue to push the envelope in our, our personal technology consumption, you know, you, you're talking, David, a lot about some of those privacy concerns, talking about what information am I willing and open to share? So much, many of us in our personal lives give up all of that information. We may not be directly cognizant of it, but I'll tell you one thing, Google knows more about me than I do. Uh, I use them as my personal email and for a lot of other things. There's no question they know everything there is to know about me. It's what and how they share to other institutions that you know might get scary if I looked into it in any real depth. But I'm willing to make the trade-off for some of the efficiencies that it gives me in my in my personal life. Similar things happen with social media, all kinds of other things we do on the internet. And I think eventually that's going to break into the business owners, you know, just because they get comfortable with what it gives them in their personal life. And they're going to want some of those efficiencies as they as they conduct business. You talked about only needing a million dollars every so often, but a lot of these businesses need you know money in some way, shape or form or financial products in some way, shape or form on a much more frequent basis. And if there's some way for my bank to be proactive in giving them to me, if they can somehow see more of my behavior and come to me with timely offers that that make sense based on my my business, I think eventually people will see benefit in that and much more willingness to open up the protection of their privacy in their business world uh, that we kind of already have for the most part in our in our personal world. So I'm hopeful, David. I, I hear you though. I, it, there's a lot of hurdles to overcome in uh in making that happen but but i'm hopeful it it can keep pace with some of the rest of the evolution that we see uh and that we can start leapfrogging some of these things at the same time let's not forget we have done it in some areas right i mean i think about remote deposit capture 
you know, as as recently as even 10 years ago, if you got a check from somebody, you were probably walking or some way, shape or form going to the branch. Maybe you were putting it in through the ATM. Maybe you were walking in and depositing it. I, I don't know anybody that doesn't do remote deposit capture anymore. You know, so that was a pretty rapid adoption uh, of some fintech. Brian, uh, I don't, I don't, I'd add to that though. You know, who, when's the last time you've gotten a check from a, from an individual and not a, like a P2P payment, right? Taking that even a step further. And that's even given newer technology that might be, you know, quote unquote leapfrogging a little bit, but I think that's coming, you know, that's becoming more and more relevant. And as you see that with person to person payments, but then also you, you start seeing some of that creep into the business world too, with some of this buy now, pay later. We've talked about that on the podcast as well. You know, looking at the convenience of that from a consumer perspective and our businesses tapping into some of that technology to plug into their websites to capture more capture more transactions. And so I, I think that, you know, you're you're onto something there, right? There are some areas where, you know, that is starting to to take foot. And so it'd be interesting, you know, are there other areas that you think um, outside of that that payment space, maybe replacing those personal checks to, to individuals that you think could be next? I think there's a lot of opportunity on the lending side to bring some of that to bear. The banks have the data. So if I have my checking account, my business account, my credit card accounts, and, and my lending accounts with a bank, they have the data to understand behaviors, cash flows, uh, the need of an expansion of a line of credit, or maybe I use the product wrong and need a term loan or... I mean, they have the they have the data today. The question is, do they have a way to analyze it and to deliver it back to me in a way that I'll be okay with? You know, can that can that be automated? I think there's an opportunity there to do that and to make those customers even stickier to the to the banks that they're working with if they had that technology. And, and again, that technology can't be really expensive to the bank, right? No, I, I think that's a great point, David. And there's there's so much we can do with what we already have in the in the banking sector. There's so much rich data in the systems that, that exist today, whether that's your core, your origination systems, servicing systems, payment systems. There's a lot of behavioral data that can be gleaned from that, that if we just spend some time getting smarter on it or, or partnering with those in the industry who are smart on it, that there's an opportunity to start bringing some of those timely offers to our retail and commercial customers. And I think the more we do that, the more we leverage what we have, the more people are going to be willing to uh, open up their lives a little bit more, right? I come back to what I was talking about with with my experience with Google, whether that's somebody else's experience with social media. I continue to leave those open because of what it brings back to me, because there is value in in what I get with targeted ads or you know other pushes to me through my phone and other things. That if we do the same thing, if I come to those businesses with a bridge loan when I know they need it based on their cash flow that's going through my financial institution, then there may be more willingness to open up other aspects to get similar higher value offers to them as a business or a person. So it's it's finding those starting points and starting to build on those so that we get uh, just more open in the, in the banking ecosystem. And David, any last thoughts there? I, I like Brian. I do like my uh, my Google experience. I open up everything to them and they feed me lots of good stuff. I love it. I think the experience is, is awesome. I've never had an issue with sharing data. Yeah. Well, you know, I think this has been a really fun topic and to really kind of dream about what could be be next in banking, especially as we start thinking about 
Brian, like you were saying, that adoption of technology kind of reversing from workplace to home to now our personal lives really driving technology adoption for, for the workplace. So thanks, Brian. Thanks, David, for, for your insights today. I think this was a, a fun topic to discuss and, you know, kind of brought back some nostalgia of uh, printed out directions and, the, you know, the Motorola Razor flip phone that, that I thought was, you know, I had to have as well. So thank you guys for, for joining us today. And thanks everyone out there for listening to today's episode of Lending Made Easy. 